0: So today I have Ken Mosley from Los Angeles, California, and uh, I'm so glad that you agreed to be part of the program today. Um, You're you're my first interview in this venue. I did a TV series um, on our local Fox network, I guess it's been about six years ago now, um, uh, with the same topic, Facing Your Fears. And I talked to a lot of clergy and youth pastors and mental health um, professionals about about the subject, we also kind of went into, you know, the whole idea of self-care and all those kinds of things. And so if we morph into that, that's good too. Because um, sometimes I think a fear might be people might fear taking any downtime, whatever um. that could possibly mean. So uh, Ken, would you introduce us, uh, introduce yourself to us, tell us about what you're doing and just a little bit about what you want us to know about you. How about that?
1: Uh, sure. Um, my name is Kenneth Mosley. Um, I'm i a multi hyphenate, I guess. So, well, not I guess, I am one. Uh, that's the best way to start. Uh, I'm an actor, I'm a writer, producer, um, ordained minister, uh, author, uh, musician as well. So yeah, I do a lot of things. They're all, in my opinion, from the same, the same area, which is communication. It's just how we communicate, how we tell a story, um, how we express words, thoughts, and ideas. So that is that is my thing. That's that's what I do, and um, I'm glad to be here today. I think the topic is essential um, to talk about. It's it's timeless and it's essential um and it's very relevant to our current times on many levels as well
0: okay all right so just a little bit about all of you all of what you do what's been kind of your latest projects if you don't mind sharing
1: um lately uh i've been definitely a full-time working actor um over the last several years um after a transition of working full-time in ministry for almost 20 years um I transitioned to acting, which is something I did as a kid. And so, you know, growing up, I thought, well, you know, you get these ideas perhaps from your parents or your family that acting is not a viable or sustainable uh, career path. So you find other things to do. And I was led into ministry after studying uh, broadcast journalism, actually. It was not my goal at all, Um, but currently, it, it has been acting from um, from Broadway, national tours to television commercial, um, television shows and commercials. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a great ride.
0: Okay, so you've done some great Grey's Anatomy and Bones, from what my little research tells me.
1: Oh, that was a long time ago. Yes.
0: Yeah, wow. Well,
1: it is out there. Uh, Yeah, done several, several different shows and projects. Yeah.
0: Okay, good, good. Um, So as we when we think about fear, first of all, um, as a as a mental health professional, when people when I sit with people, and we talk about different things, um, I'm often asking them to define their terms. So an example might be, well, how are you feeling today? Well, I'm, I'm feeling depressed. Um, Can you kind of tell me what that means? Because depressed to me is going to certainly look different than someone else. Um, So when I ask you, like I'm going to ask you about fear, how would you define fear, at least for you?
1: I think fear, a lot has to do with intimidation, Um, an idea that sometimes seems to be insurmountable or has a leering threat of failure attached to it. Um, And so fear, it can come in so many terms, but often it is the intimidation and and an idea that has intimidation attached to it before we even consider what actually could go right or what are the chances of it going wrong often our biggest, our first thought is, is how will it fail? How will I fail? Um, And that's what fear has a lot. I I wasn't expecting to define it. But when I think about it, it's more so intimidation, um, that something is going to stand in your way. um, If you were to try something if you were to even want something. Um, And so it's a fear and it could be a fear of mortal danger, but often it's not. It's often a fear of just failure or not wanting to be incorrect. And so uh, I just I just often define fear in terms of intimidation and that at a high rate of intimidation that, that often stops people in their tracks and paralyzes us.
0: Okay, so care to talk about anything that you, um, and maybe fear is not the best word, but it's what we're going to work with because it's sort of what this whole segment is going to be about. But what sort of stops you, if anything, in your tracks? What, what, where do you hesitate? Where do you pause? Where might you get stuck on a situation, on an uh, upcoming audition, or whatever it might be? It might not even be related to your work. But.
1: I've noticed a pattern over many years that a lot of what I fear or am int- intimidated by is getting started often. If I can get started, then I can mostly accomplish it because I tend to be a finisher. But so I have to get myself past because I'm a big picture person. I see things on a macro level. I'm already at the finish line and it's sometimes it just seems too big or it seems um, overwhelming, I think is, is a big word that sometimes describes how I feel when I experience fear. It's the overwhelming, um, if a project seems overwhelming or if a dream seems overwhelming, um, I find that I get, like I said, paralyzed. I think a lot of people get paralyzed by fear. What will paralyze me is the overwhelming size of a project or a task, not realizing that you do it. It's kind of like they say, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Mm -hmm. And often we can't see that we're just going to get it done bit by bit until it gets done. And um, that can be very intimidating. Sometimes like I'll get an audition. And I had this audition recently that was seven parts. It was like four scenes, three songs, you know, two different characters. Um, And that on top of many other auditions recently, I had a week of 10 auditions that started to feel just too overwhelming to even undertake, but you have to do it. And I just feel like often fear is what stops you in your tracks, fear in terms of relationships. It doesn't matter if it seems too large, I find that that's what takes me down.
0: Okay. Okay. But, you know, so there must be something within you that says, uh, kind of a reminder as to why you are wherever you are in the first place, um, that that you get reminded of and then you, I would imagine just jump right in. Correct? Am I right? Wrong? (laughs)
1: Well. <laughs> no I don't think that's the first thing that helps me get into it what helps me now after having lived is experience okay it's it's simply the experience of okay you've been here before in terms of this feeling mm-hmm. what do you do even if you're afraid you do it anyway and so if you don't give yourself those opportunities to have that experience to refer back to, there's no retrospective strength that you can gather because if all your life you've been afraid and have cowered to the fear, that's what's going to be, it's just going to, it's going to have first say. But if you have had experiences where, okay, I was afraid to do it, but it turned out great, or I was overwhelmed by a role once and I just thought, I'm not going to get this. There's a lot of material. I'm just going to wing it. (laughs) I'm just going to wing it. I'm not going to really study. I'm going to get in this room, and I'm going to read these sides as I go and hope for the best. Something said to me, no, attack it. And so I attacked it despite being overwhelmed. And it turned out to be playing Barry Gordy on Motown the musical. I had been in for the show. I'd auditioned for the show, for the Broadway show, for an ensemble position. And at that point, when I went in, I had been sick a few days. And so I just was not my best. I did not do my best vocally. Nothing happened with it. And then I saw a friend in the show and said, this is a nice show. I don't see anything in here for me. (laughs) and i'm talking months like two months if that before i actually ended up auditioning for that show um, to be on the broadway national tour and when i got the audition it was for the lead role and i thought that's not me i'm not going to get it it's not i don't see it and then it was a lot of material in the middle of at the time i was already in a show so it was the time involved in trying to split that time, and you know, as an actor, you still you have to keep some sort of income flow coming. So I'm working as well at the time, um, whatever job I could work, and I just thought, oh, but I attacked it, and so because I have that experience of you never know how this is going to turn out, attack it, whether it feels overwhelming to you. Whether, you know, and then often I have to address, I've learned to address my ego. Mm. What part of my thought process is actually not me, but my ego speaking? In other words, how am I going to look? What will people say? If I don't get it, then how will I feel? You know, Mm -hmm. you'll feel like a human being because human beings are designed to not only experience all of the, the range of emotions, but you're also designed to be resilient from it. So let's not worry about those things. That's part of the human experience, but let's also identify that's not you. You want to do your best. You do want to do the hard work. You do want to succeed. And you do want to learn from it no matter the outcome. And if you can identify your core and your root values apart and separate from your ego, I think oftentimes you can suspend fear much quickly, much more quickly than, you know, a lot of fear can be attached to ego because that's what our parents do. That's what they do when they train us and socialize us. They instill a fear in us that that something is intimidating, whether it's the stove, it's too hot. The stove is hot. Okay, I don't want to get burned. And so all through our lives, we go through our lives wanting to not get burned, proverbially um, whether it's in front of people whether it's taking a chance in trying to date someone I don't want to get burned or whether it's going further in a relationship that you've already begun because you are afraid to love and be loved you don't want to be burned you know and it's all because often when parents chastise children at a younger age I think it's not just the intimidation that their stature brings but it's their position but it's also sometimes the way they do it whether it is in front of people whether it is embarrassing for whatever we did as a child was embarrassing but something that children do you know then suddenly there is a there that embarrassment is always looming Mm -hmm. you know how will i feel what will people think i'm going to be embarrassed but what if you do really well because it's meant for you But often those things that come into our heart, we we dismiss because it's easier to do what we were socialized to do, which often means status quo and assimilate. And so when it comes to chasing a dream or walking out your purpose, which is singular. It's always going to be something that perhaps you don't see your family doing. It is your path. And even if it's the same field of industry, I believe that God has really graced everyone to go even further and to augment that. And so that often means doing something you haven't seen before. So with that is the looming embarrassment because of how we were socialized. So um, I find that you often have to just almost do what you see in your head and your heart and, Ignore the rest.
0: Wow, I I might have learned something there. I'm glad I recorded this because I (laughs) can hear it again and again. Um, So with all of that, I I like the idea that you know one way that we face our fear is to attack it. So uh, one of my fears, and and I kind of get tickled with it, but but it's a it's it's legit. I am really afraid of mice. I really. Um, You know, I'm in a I'm in a recording studio now, and let one just show up, and this meeting is adjourned. Um, <laughs> my car, um, and then and then and so one time we were in the middle of a, a major remodel at, at our church, and I was the executive minister. And this the first part of the the journey was getting some plumbing piping, you know, the piping for plumbing in, and um, just seemed like, and this is a downtown church, and it seems like other places were doing some major stuff too. So I know, just in my own thinking, I said, that's gonna upset some of those, those critters that live down below. And so at the end of one of their work days, um, they capped off the, the piping, but they capped it off with a plastic cap. Well, the next day, I could clearly see that something had chewed through the plastic and i already knew i already knew and yeah there was a bit of an invasion not horrible um but it was up to me to kind of go get the next step done and so i called orkin you know the old Uh people and and i says you know i know basically all you can do is come come out and set up some traps because you don't have x-ray vision or (laughs) you can't tell me exactly where they are uh i says but tell me some things you know first of all what's the difference difference between a rat and a mouse and other than size and so he kind of talked about the intelligence level of each and so on and so forth and so my whole idea was that if i the way i'm going to attack this is to learn about it let me let me learn as much as i can about this critter and at the end of the day it really it, at the end of the day it really didn't help i think i probably had more fear but one day um i i that i i mean the, these traps were just like not not like a sna- snapping trap that you would hear, because that would just paralyze me. But you know, they would eat bait and then basically die. And so a mother and five of her babies did. And so then then there was the job of pulling them out and, and all of that. But kind of made it kind of gave me an opportunity to meet it head on with what I knew. And so my whole point was for me, you know, you say attack it. I guess I attacked it by asking questions about that mm-hmm. which I feared. Um, so all of that, just to now just kind of get into maybe my final phase of, of a question is, so what's up for you? What's next? What, what thing are you um, wanting to attack that you might have a little bit of reservation about?
1: Um, I think when you're an artist, there's always something new um that you can approach even if it's just something differently for me as a songwriter I've begun writing I've primarily written or recorded gospel music so right now I'm I'm working on pop music and that has a little bit of intimidation with it because um I feel just more like I'm swimming in the unknown, more so than anything. How does this go? How is this supposed to work? You know, in terms of lyrics, what's too much, what's not enough? Stylistically, uh, from a vocal presentation approaches, there's always something to, to be learned. So I think maybe that is probably the most intimidating thing. Other than that, it's just, this is a, this is an industry and a field where everything is very nebulous, seemingly um, outside of the fact that, you know, you have a a path that you want to take and feel like everything will go fine, but it is nebulous. You can go this way. You can go that way. It's not the same as, as, as strict as a corporate ladder or, or, Working in the field of education, which I've worked in, you know, you can be a teacher, uh, then you can, you can elevate that and, and end up teaching at a university level or, you know, college level, or you can become an administrator, like there are certain paths kind of ironed out already. Mm -hmm. You know, it just depends on where where your interest lies. This is much more nebulous, you know, particularly if you're multi-talented or have a lot of different skill sets. Like I could host, I could, I have a journalism degree. I could have gone toward that direction. Um, Or do you want to do theater only? Or do you want to do television, you know? So there's always this just very nebulous. So what's next for me is just, finding my focus or re- refining my focus and um, and seeing where that leads me, yeah.
0: Okay. okay. All right, uh, I was just thinking in my, in my mind here about, um, you've done a lot of, um, and I guess you put your journalism skills to work, where you were doing a lot of interviews with different stars and, and things like that. Um, whereby you have the control of the mic and things like that. What's the difference between between doing something like that in terms of fear and doing something that is more in this, using your words, more nebulous, if that makes sense.
1: Um, I'd never had fear in terms of interviewing, no matter who the person is or was. Um, it's not intimidating for me more than anything because um, I think it's more about having an insightful conversation. Um, Whether you know something in great detail or whether it is a new topic for you, I think for me it's just exciting to explore that curiosity and find out the human experience from someone else's perspective. So that's what I always, that's how I approach that. So there was never any. They're never much in it intimidation at all um, is quite enjoyable, um, and that's great. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but also I think you should do some things that scare you every now and again. And um, in this industry, or in when it comes to acting, there is always a bit of vulnerability that you must have more so than in your interviews, because in your interviewing, you're not as much in the spotlight as the interviewee um but the vulnerability has has to come into play when you are creating a character um and taking words off of a page and making them real you can only do that um, successfully often from your own creativity from your own past experience from your own emotional bandwidth Uh, and so those things can be it can be intimidating to reveal yourself in that way yeah
0: well i i think i'm out of questions i mean we could go on and on and on but i know you got you've got work to do and because you said you have an audition later today yet
1: mm-hmm, i do yeah it's all good i i had set aside time for this so
0: okay well um yeah so <sighs> How did you? Did, okay, so since you've invited me to ask more, um, how did you even get started? Have you said ever since you were a child that this was, you know, the whole—I'll um, just call it the stage—has uh, has always been at the forefront for you. Um, where did you? Where did you attack it at first?
1: I, I had a—I did my first commercial, I think, around seven, and ended up having an agent as a kid. Um, Because I was living in New Mexico, there wasn't a huge amount of opportunity. Um, Some movies, film auditions, not much television at all. So a lot of what I did was in school, from elementary school all the way through high school, uh, musical theater, plays, they call them straight plays, plays without music. Um, Anything that was in front of a camera. I gravitated to um, or had a knack for even it wasn't that it wasn't as much attention seeking behavior as much as I was just good at it and so that's where it all began as well as I started playing piano about three and a half four years old and began playing yeah began playing classical music all the way through junior high Um, and then I started playing like playing gospel music and play for, you know, a choir or church service um, here and there. So I've just always been based in the arts, you know, Um, even during that time was doing this, the high school newspaper and the yearbook staff. And I think I was editor in chief of the yearbook. I think I might've been in the yearbook staff, even like in junior high and middle school. So always, communicating that's really it even when I was in trouble in school was because I was over communicating I was talking too much in class I would finish my work and then just turn the classroom upside down so it's all about finding that thing that comes very naturally even the thing that gets you in trouble can sometimes be honed into just it just needs to be redirected energy and so that's how it all began for me just all of it kind of at the same time growing up
0: okay okay that's cool and and you just you know kind of made the decision to just stay stay right there um what role did god play in all of this i mean sometimes you know i guess as a kid i mean i I probably had some of those desires to to be a little more famous or whatever but i thought it would get in the way of my christianity what say ye
1: I was um, approached around 14 years old by a, a manager and probably he was a promoter too who wanted to do, he wanted to take me on as a, as a singing client um, and style my career. Even back then, I had some similarities with, I don't know if you've heard of Tevin Campbell from the 90s. My voice was high for a very long time. I'm, I'm still a first tenor, but my voice didn't even change. I would, I would be asked to sing The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston around the city for years into my teens, um, like into high school teens, in, in the Whitney Houston key. So, you know, my voice was high. So I was approached by someone to basically start an R&B career as a kid and i think i felt at the time that my my mother basically let me make the decision but it didn't feel like the right thing to do even then um and i think maybe either god or my perspective of god my perception of god had something to do with that i don't know which is the case to be honest um but there was always a thing of Wanting to live my life in service in some way. And so I don't regret that. Uh, the years that I spent in ministry, I certainly do not regret um, at all. Uh, so, yes, I think from that standpoint, you know, it's like, oh, should I be doing this? I don't, what will I become? Is that what you really want to do? Um, and who knows what would have happened from there. But that's the, that's the, thing that sticks out for me and even when I started acting I didn't know how far I could go you know um what kinds of roles uh could be pleasing but I find that we often filter those thoughts by what people would say more so than what God would say you know, so I have played in one Broadway national tour, uh, the role of Lola in the show Kinky Boots, Lola is a drag queen. So I I played both, both persons and personalities of that character, Lola and her birth name was Simon. So I showed up both in both forms and I had some trepidation about it at first, um, of course, my parents did um, and then you see the show and you're like oh, I totally get it, you know, and the show's called kinky boots and the i've always said in interviews, the most the kinkiest part of the show is the title it's not kinky at all. Um, there are drag queens that's it, but I don't even find that to be kinky at this point. Uh, uh, given everything that we've that is in media and in television. doesn't mean you want to participate in anything but. Um, that I had some thought about, you know, and that upbringing was in that, but I I I based my decision on the message of the show and what did it mean? Uh, you know, and as a black man, it's like, you know, you hear that and you begin to parrot the things that you've heard. Oh, they always want to emasculate the black man and castrate the black man and et cetera. But the fact of the matter is, drag queens are going to exist with or without the media you know um and drag queens aren't the same as trans people and and so many so many different Mm
0: -hmm. things that
1: we could go into we don't have to go into here but i opted for the message which was to accept people as they are where they are knowing that you've got some growth too and that we can all help each other in that that progression to becoming the best people that we can possibly be in the world. And so, you know, but with that, the whole thought of would God be displeased, you know, comes to mind and, and it didn't, ha- that didn't deter me. And I don't, I don't feel that he was. Okay.
0: Yeah. I know yeah. you can know that. Um, and That's right. Of um, You know, whether or not this is a, good decision a healthy decision or or what the case might be um and so in and of itself puts some fear on the table and your mic just went off here
1: i I muted it because the trash guy is out here beeping and throwing dumpsters
0: something okay Um, and so yeah, I mean, the, I, I just think that the industry itself. Certainly, you can be a messenger of God um, in in the fine arts world, um, but but I think we always have to be mindful of of our calling. And you know, I think once in ministry, always in ministry, it just might flush out differently um, throughout our lifespan. And you know, whatever changes we're gonna make, I think there's gonna be that level of fear, um, not like again, petrified, paralyzed fear, but the anxiety or that ambiguity of, you know, how's this going to play out? And what's next? And what do I do now? What if this doesn't work for me? I think those are are all legitimate concerns um, that that we all live with, whether we are people of faith or not. And so I'm going to go back to the beginning of our conversation where, you know, you said that the way that you face fear um, is just to attack it just you know i think about this i have a 50 pound puppy um and he's the only thing i've seen that he's afraid of is a clock that's sitting on the table it just got there like on friday and he just discovered it yesterday um it's just an old old school looking clock and he just met it head on he didn't attack it but i he he would have had i not intervened And that's what he does, you know, that's what what dogs and cats do, they just pounce. Mm
1: -hmm. That's right.
0: (laughs) Sometimes we have to just pounce, especially if we, because, you know, there's nothing to say that just because we're called to do something doesn't mean that we don't have a level of fear um, about going into it. But, But if God says, go for it, pounce, we just pounce.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Well, I don't and know, let that
1: momentum take you you know yeah. and stay stay in that flow and in that that energy of of moving forward and often the rest of it will take care of itself but we stay too long in the thought process and in the <laughs> the planning phase and then nothing ever gets done
0: exactly. you
1: know and sometimes you don't know what the next step would be because you haven't taken the first step the <laughs> next step will illuminate itself to you it will disclose and reveal itself to you but there's no need for it to do that when you haven't taken the first one you know and you then you learn how that works how the process works along the way so yeah
0: exactly well thank you ken for for your time today um because i know you're busy but i'm glad that you um etched out you know a few minutes for me because this will go out probably later today Awesome, and, um, and I hope people will, you know, grab hold of it and um, learn, learn something from it to, in order to take that next step, as you say.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I think it is an important conversation, particularly now. So many people are now just afraid to re-enter their lives <laughs> as it were from before the quarantine. So we got to face the fears.
0: We do. We do. Just have to attack it. Yeah. All right. Thank you.